Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Unexplained World Internet Radio Broadcast with your host, Edward Cheney, a paranormal, spiritual observer, and psychic reader, along with Annette, a high priestess and psychic reader. The Unexplained World is a location where the border between the natural and supernatural may become nothing more than fuzzy, so enjoy. Hello listeners, welcome to the October 7th broadcast of The Unexplained World with your host, Ed Shanahan, that's me, a paranormal spirit observer and reader. Also, Annette, your hostess, a reader and high priestess. Hello, Annette. Hello, Ed. How are you tonight? Uh, Have you recuperated from uh, last night's paranormal outing? I have recuperated. Oh, <laughs> we were you and I, I'm a little tired, but, you know, I'm here. Yeah, I'm tired. I even slept till 10 o'clock this morning, so um, I don't know. Wow. So, yeah. Okay, our guest tonight is Mr. David Kump, and the subject matter is remote viewing. David, are you there? Oh, yes. Hi, Ed. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm Hi, doing fine. Hello, David. Thank you for rejoining us once again. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. Uh, ours too. Hi, how are you doing tonight? Very good. Good, good. I'm going to ask you, does this speak up a little, a little bit more on your end, Dave, okay? You got it. Okay. Remote viewing is a subject that, David, you learned about and that you have knowledge about, and I, like many of the listeners, are seeking information about. We know. I, I know about <clears throat> the subject matter. I see it. Uh, posted on some of the groups and blogs and stuff like that, but never really got into deep, you know, study of it. For those who are listening, uh, David, what is remote viewing? Well, remote viewing is exactly what the two words would lead you to believe. Viewing from a remote distance, things, events, people, places, uh, as would be convenient if you weren't able to be there yourself. So viewing at a distance, and probably not much different than anyone who had a gift or a power to see things or experience things or have visions, and yet uh, was not actually present there or would see things that could have to do with the future, which how could they be present, uh, that's basically what remote viewing is. It means what it says. And that jump in anytime you've been reading up on it, so um, feel free yeah, to Yeah, you know, my in. background, just for the record, <laughs> is not that extensive, actually. Um, I picked up a book in Toronto years ago, and it was... Um, all about Psychic Discoveries Behind the Iron Curtain, um, written by Ostrander and Schroeder. It was very, it was very interesting. In fact, I, I, you know, I picked it up to, to study up a little bit when speaking now, tonight, and I have to reread the book. I'm so intrigued all over again. It was written in 1970, so it's very dated, but it just covers so much material. Remote viewing is a small part of it. So. Okay, David, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come from the... Um the uh, position of the, I guess, general public on this, okay? So, uh, and throw out the questions to you, and that will, you know, feed and, you know, maybe answer some questions too. Now, this can be, a person could be trained to do this. Isn't that what's been done, David? Well, that's 
that's exactly it. In fact, the term remote viewing, which certainly describes all the other phenomenon that has always been known to exist, was coined by an early subject in remote viewing that kind of was being trained and came up with their own way of training people, training others. And Annette had an interesting observation about that book you mentioned. In the, let's say, mid to late 60s, early 1970s, uh, the Soviet Union seemed to be pretty far ahead in this game of remote viewing. The book quotes is saying it's 50 years ahead of America. Sure, sure. Yeah. And I think it was that fear that the United States uh, intelligence at the time were hearing things, realizing things that perhaps we need to look into this. And so right about between 1970 and 72, uh, I think the United States government decided, well, we need a program like this. And what on earth did they know about it? Uh, usually their stance on any psychic abilities and things of that nature, they, they kind of frowned on, or if they even thought to be involved in it, they weren't going to publicize that at all. So where they actually turned was uh, two laser physicists that were doing work in California at the Stanford Research Institute. And you'll kind of see throughout any remote viewing literature, you'll see SRI shows up quite a bit. And that was really the birth in America of officially the government or the military wanting to have some kind of involvement, they turned to what was going on at SRI, at Stanford Research Institute. And they they happened to be watching this a couple of names, Hal Putoff, Russell Targ. These were the physicists doing work in California right around 1970, just before 72, and they were using as a subject... Ingo Swan. Now, here's a name that you'll, you you just can't get away from. Ingo Swan is really the person that coined the phrase remote viewing for this program that, just like you asked, Ed, that is very teachable to people that I would say you need to have some psychic abilities to begin with, those kind of leanings, those kind of experiences which from what I have read and researched through the years about this, uh, Ed, you and Annette would probably be perfect subjects. I'm sure you could be trained in these techniques that they came up with. But while Ingo Swan is going through these tests in California, the two physicists are, are having a lot of success with him on many levels of what they're testing him for anything to do with telepathy, clairvoyance, precognition, just the whole ESP gamut. Mm-hmm. And they kind of publish their results with Ingo, and they're pretty favorable. And the CIA, kind of watching what's going on out there, decided here's the perfect lab to start this program. So they approached... Uh, these two people at SRI, and of course, Ingo Swan being the uh, quite a good subject, that that became the original team with a grant of uh, approximately $50,000 to get things started. And that came directly from the CIA. And, and this was their way of feeling like, wow, maybe now we're going to learn some things and we can compete with what the Soviet Union is doing in these areas. So that's, I would say, how it started, when it started in the U.S. Uh, you can easily trace it to these Hal Putoff and Russell Targ at Stanford Research Institute. And, and Ingo Swan being the real 
central figure in working with those two physicists, he was then uh, allowed to kind of develop his own method of remote viewing protocols that could teach other psychic ability personnel with, with getting good at this. And they, they did some very early experiments. One I, I remember reading about was quite fascinating. It had to do with, imagine you'd have someone, an agent in another country, perhaps looking at a building, thinking something might be going on in the lower level of that building that the government should know about. Well, so now there's the target. So in remote viewing, you, you have to identify a target, and you can give a remote viewer the coordinates of where this target is. You can even describe it. But if, if you, even as an agent on the, site, on the scene, can't get into that building, perhaps the person with this psychic ability in remote viewing from, from many thousand miles away can get in can you actually see into the building and and that's kind of the premise and the uh what they were trying to accomplish here and so a remote viewer would sit in a room and go through these protocols and get these targets and the coordinates and with their natural psychic ability being focused if you will toward a real specific little task uh, then they would get these visions and see things and write down. And then, of course, they would compare what they came up with with what maybe the agents on the scene were seeing. And it would really tell the picture, and it was as if they actually got inside that building. Well, David, if if um, me or Annette get a call from the CIA, um, <laughs> I will make sure I call you. Well, you know, it's I'll invite them to tea. <laughs> very interesting. You, I'll tell you who you'd get a call from because, and, and you know, my whole premise, if you remember when we were talking about in Las Vegas and Area 50, mm -hmm. all these companies that are involved in this. Which one of them is actually making the news now lately, isn't it? Well, um the yeah, security force, let's put it that way. Yeah, that's um, for better or for worse. Yes, you're <laughs> correct. Yeah. Yeah. But what's what's interesting, all of these original players, and, and, and this actually went on, imagine from 1972, uh, officially under, with money from the CIA, Stanford Research Institute, these people started this program. This lasted approximately 20 years, and it, it really, the way this has been tracked, it seems as if uh, the United States invested about $20 million over 20 years into this program. So there were, there were many players, and uh, under the guise of overall, I, I think for military purposes or security, they, they call this the Stargate Project. And under that kind of umbrella name uh, were some other things. And, and anyone that's kind of looked into remote viewing, you may hear or remember something called Gondola Wish, Sunstreak, Center Lane, Grill Flame. And, and that last one, it's kind of interesting, that's one that, I can remember many years ago when I first got interested in this subject, that was one of the first parts of this project that kind of caught my attention, and I seemed to have heard or read something about something called grill flame, and actually that took place at uh, Fort Meade, Maryland, at a pretty large Army base, and, and it got to the point where the let's say the CIA or the special unit, when they started having success, they were going to make this remote viewing as big as they possibly could. And that's when they were going through those years where they were investing about a million dollars into this to make sure they had plenty of people teaching it, plenty of recruits that they could train now to find people 
and what Grill Flame was all about at Fort Meade, they would not only test soldiers for psychic abilities to see if they were a possible match to pull into this remote viewing program, but also civilian employees. So they, they were going through a lot of people and testing them. And I think what happened was that's when word started filtering out about this program. Uh, there were people that certainly weren't accepted into the remote viewing program, but knew full well that they were being tested for it. So no matter what the veil of secrecy or the the secrecy laws governing people working in these positions, you know, they, they do talk. I mean, word gets out. And while the, you know, the official government's going to deny any work like mm-hmm. this is going on, you, you hear inklings about things. And it's funny that many years later, like let's fast forward to 1995 from these early 70s, that's when the government, and actually I'm ready to tie this point together about you not getting a call from the CIA, that's when the government decided, look, we don't want to be in this business of denying this anymore, and this is quite costly. Many of the players through the years were leaving the Army, retiring from military, or wanting to start their own business. And what you'll find, a lot of these key names have private firms today that do remote viewing and do mm-hmm. it for the government. So mm-hmm. they're contracted by by certain government services to remote view for a fee, and many of them have spun off, and they have clinics where they teach remote viewing. Many of them have written books, and I'm sure I read about half of those books by a lot of these key players. So, uh, in, in fact, there, there there's places you could actually pay a fee, of course, and go and be trained as a remote viewer. Hmm. Let me say callers or listeners, if you want to call in, the number is 646-915-9653. Our guest is David Kump. I'm Ed Shanahan, and that's our co-host. Co-hostess? Okay. Uh, David, do you feel that maybe technology has somewhat moved into the picture where remote viewers can, the need may not be as as much as it was in the past? No, I think remote viewing is probably, with the help of technology as far as getting coordinates and navigation and, and mapping <coughs> the whole Earth with satellites, I think it's probably become easier for someone with these abilities to really zero in and concentrate quicker on subjects and targets no matter where they're at, mm-hmm. anywhere in the world. I mean, look at the crazy technology with you, you Google Earth and put a crazy yeah. address or location, <laughs> and yeah. you get a photograph from a satellite. Got and my picture, got to have a picture in my house, basically. Now, you know Google. what? You could pull that up and say, oh, my gosh, look at there, Ed Shanahan's house, and look mm-hmm. at his backyard. But what's under that tarp in the backyard? Now, that's not going to come through in that picture, but that's what you might want to play with remote viewing and find out what the hell you're hiding in your backyard. You know, you, you, you talk about that, okay, and you talk about the satellites. And, all right, when the reasoning or excuses for going to Iraq, okay, it almost makes you wonder if they were using remote viewing because basically all all you seen was maybe vehicles, maybe this, maybe that. How how in the world did they know what what was there? You know what I'm saying? Because well, the, the satellite only picked up so much. Yeah, you're you're absolutely correct, and this is something that I believe these private firms are being contracted heavily for exactly what is going on in any of these areas, whether, you know, not to just pick on Iraq, but look at Iran's got this situation, certainly yeah. North Korea, uh, 
and there are probably some other countries that could be on the verge of trying to put some technology together that apparently we're not really in favor of. So, yes, and and I've actually read something not too long ago that someone was trying to credit remote viewing with ultimately finding Saddam Hussein in his little uh, cubbyhole in the backyard or whatever that house mm-hmm. he was living in. So, yes, uh, you can imagine what they're looking for. In fact, uh, remote viewers will tend to, as a public service, there's no doubt in my mind they're they're trying to find Steve Fawcett or what happened to him or his plane or wherever he ended up. Yeah. So the, these people can be contacted for, I suppose, depending what their rates are, everything from they'll, they'll work for a government looking to find out if you're playing with some nuclear weapons in a cave, or uh, I suppose they'll help you find your lost dog if you want to invest that kind of money into it. <laughs> well, I emailed Annette. Um, I believe you got it, Annette. Um, there was an article, and I'm writing articles now for um, Unexplained Mysteries, and it's a news type of website. And there was an article by somebody else, a news report, actually, about the remote viewing. And do you remember me sending that to you, Annette? Yes. Yeah. And they were talking about the remote viewers are, correct me if I'm wrong, Annette, are tapping in for some reason, they didn't really say, the paranormal investigators. And did you did you figure out, did you... Did you get that out of that, Annette? Uh, yeah, I, I, yes, I did have that feeling that that was everybody was trying to come together. And you know, and that I don't think that that's really unusual because there's such a a broad range of you know things that you can do with psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was going to ask David about what he thought about use of these once you. A, say, hey, this type of ESP, remote viewing, et cetera, does exist. Once you get past the fact that it does exist, then to put it to good use in in a practical sense, you could take it to the point of past espionage into biological warfare or mind control to change political leanings of the public, all kinds of different stuff. So, you know, paranormal investigation, I think, just a, is a piece of the puzzle when all that comes together. Well, yeah, you're right, Annette. What's interesting, uh, in it, I have a book that has a couple of chapters on remote viewing and the ethical or moral questions it raises. And it's kind of fascinating, not that the people that were actually doing it were paying much attention to that, but it, but it makes you ask that question. Yeah. But more so is imagine the government, and again, uh, here's my little broken record theme, if you will. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> You're paying for this. Yeah. Ed's paying for it, I'm paying for it, and all your listeners are paying for these programs good, bad, or indifferent, and are we satisfied with paying for programs that we don't find out until 20 years after the fact that $20 million have been spent of our money to do these things? Well, not only to do the research, but then... All the people who were trained during our research, we now pay them a salary to do the work for us. Well, let's say this. In the fact of the way I see the community of remote viewers that were, let's say, trained by the government using their tax dollars, and now they have all gone on and started private firms, Mm -hmm. which they're being compensated tremendously for, yet we paid for their training and now they're enjoying this profession, if you will, mm-hmm. at our expense. And why are why did we fund them in the first place? Did we get to vote on that? And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with these programs. Right. I'm a little 
skeptical of reasons of why the secrecy and uh, why can't we be told what our tax money is being used for? If How about if it's a possibility, David, that we don't want it to get out to the other, you know, to the people yeah, but that are using it? It's widely and common, you know, in fact, this book that I was mentioning before, they say it's it's un- unusual that um, the United States would be so far behind the the Soviets, the Czechs, etc. is because it was they you know all those uh, European nations they had all everything was published it was all available to us we just ignored it until we were kind of like uh oh <laughs> look what they're doing we better catch up so I don't think secrecy was even necessary when it in the early 70s when this type of stuff began. The rest of the world was already but doing you know, it and widely publicizing it. Yeah, well, interesting, uh, then it's used as a threat then, really, then, too. So I, I guess would, you, you could benefit from it. Right. Yeah. I would yeah. say back in that era, and maybe it started turning in the 70s and on, but certainly the 50s and 60s uh, was a very secretive time for all governments and trying to jockey for knowledge and position in the world. But you know what? Today, I think, I mean, right now, 2007, as we sit here, I see much less need for the United States to have many secrets, not only from their citizens, but from other countries and people in the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm basing that on history. I know that during the 50s and 60s, when... You know, let's just talk about the threat of this nuclear standoff between the two countries. Well, if you look at history and you think about the nuclear submarine accidents you hear about coming out of the Soviet Union or the nuclear reactor power plant in Chernobyl, and, you know, my point would be, look, you want to play this game, we play this game, you push all your buttons, we'll push ours. Half your stuff won't work, ours will. Yeah. So I don't believe that, you, you know, if two competing nations are working on some so-called strategic advantage over the other, I think the United States can always feel the confidence that, just like I'm sure they had success with remote viewing for many years, they they can be confident in their success and their careful approach uh, to safety and maybe even somewhat to ethics and morals that we're probably going to come out on top. And for that reason alone, uh, I think we don't need to keep playing this crazy game of, can you imagine mid-1970s, someone, maybe some reporter that says, wait a minute, and I'm sure it happened almost on a weekly basis, what on earth is our military doing training psychic spooks to, with our taxpayer money? And I'm sure the response from the government was, well, you must be a little crazy in the head to think we're doing such a thing. Well, guess <laughs> what? We were doing it. And the reason it came out in 1995 was the government decided, very similar to the way they used to investigate this UFO phenomenon, the government decided to get out of it, get out of the remote viewing game, and let private companies run that. They'll contract with them. It's like they never left each other's side. But by, by allowing their personnel to go out and start their own companies, now it all came to the surface. I guess the point there becomes, what on earth for the last 10 years are they working on that we know nothing about? <laughs> now, I can show you, I'll give you a little hint. There is a project in Alaska that's been going on for uh, about 15 years, the HARP. Project? Are you familiar with that? I've heard that name. And now what we're talking about here could be an example of what I... I don't know. I heard it on Coast to Coast or what, but go ahead. Can you imagine 20 years from now if it comes out that 
Yes, we are sending signals and controlling weather through the ionosphere delivered up through these antennas in this harp field in Alaska. Now, that's what's alleged. Yeah, and that's right. what I kind of uh, speculate on from what I read and, and the kind of people I talk to because of my interest in these things. And yet, of course, it's the same denials you get from any so-called secret program the government's working on. And yet, what is wrong with, my gosh, maybe we should all be trained as remote viewers. If we've got this knowledge of, of how to bring this to the surface with people that have these psychic abilities, uh, I, I feel I'm talking to two people at Nanette that, oh my gosh, you have natural abilities that you you could be doing some remote viewing that could help you in your work, in your pursuits, in your investigations, and just make you maybe a, a more well-rounded psychic, spiritual investigator. Uh, we, we should all be privy to this information these techniques what um my fear what, would only be david that's you know with such an ability comes such a power that you would really want to be so careful not to let that get the better of you you know and you, you gotta be i mean that's a good reason why you wouldn't want everybody to be able to do it you know not, not every person is so responsible to use it with care you know. Well, the, you you might even make the, you know, it could be like a discovery of any modern marvel or comfort invention. Uh, if you were the only one that had it, you might make that argument. But if everyone has it, now you've got to go on to the next thing. That's true. <laughs> You're right. So in other words, when... You know, if you were the only, back when the West was one, if yeah. you were the only one with an air-conditioned train car, you'd be living pretty comfortable. You'd have a lot <laughs> yes. of people jealous of you. And, but once everybody had air conditioning, it was like, okay, now we're all comfortable. So now what do we work on? Right. I mean, oh, you're right. Hmm. What's, what's the process? Maybe Annette could tell me, Dave, of the remote viewing as far as what actually, you know, for a person to learn it, for a person to, because I guess there's people, there's books on it too on how to actually do it. Uh, I've never gotten into that. Uh, Annette, there, Dave? There are some serious protocols. And when I mentioned Ingo Swan, that was kind of his specialty mm -hmm. coming up with these protocols and and I do have some information I will get you this week I've got a whole sheet I'm looking at in my binder right now and it is how to experiment with remote viewing okay and it's here's how 1 through 15 and it's kind of the, the parameters of setting up a neutral experiment and um yeah, it has to do with the targets, creating the target, securing the target, choosing, planning a time, uh, having little blind envelopes with information in it. Uh, it has to do with one person being designated as the viewer, the other as the sender. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there are specific protocols. So, so it would be like, let's say, if me and Annette were uh, tied together, basically, being able to communicate, uh, that would be a way of she would be she would be at the location, she would be the one pinpointing the area, and I would sort of try to go beyond her. That's exactly see. right. And, you, okay. and perhaps my role would be the neutral. Uh, yes, Annette would be in the cemetery. Mm -hmm. And, Ed, you would be in a very comfortable room, relaxed, mm -hmm. sitting in a chair, and perhaps there would be three items that 
we would want you to remote view and see in that cemetery. And I would have those written on a piece of paper in an envelope. And when I would tell Annette it would be the yellow umbrella by a certain grave site, yeah. then she would send you that image as you're sitting in the room and between the two of you, uh, yeah, you might describe, well, yellow umbrella you're seeing, uh, but maybe you would see a brown handle on that umbrella. Mm-hmm. That could be something that didn't even occur to us. You know what? I've experienced that. Annette remembers me telling the story, and other people have read it. Uh, probably about 2003 or 2002 with our Amy, Native American, uh, raised on a reservation. We were talking on the phone, and I think she, you know, she was, like I said, the one that pretty much opened me up. But in the process, kind of showing me, you know, she had the abilities. She must have um, picked up the question in my mind, you know. And so what she told me to do, David, and this may fall under it, is now she was way up in Gurney, Illinois, me and Burbank, two different two different type of neighborhoods, you know. She told me go to uh, the window in the basement and look outside of it, okay? She described everything I was looking at. Wow. And I said, okay. <laughs> Point taken. All right. So that's basically what you're saying. You know what? That She had a direct connection in seeing where you were, even through your eyes. Mm-hmm. And when she directed you to go to a specific spot, mm-hmm. now she's seeing what you're seeing. Right. So, and again, not that, and keep in mind, this is what... Ingo Swan and the people he was working with and the government wanting to do some kind of psychic research, this is what they labeled as remote viewing. But what it really could be is something that could have been around since the beginning of recorded history. And it can be called anything, whatever that ability or power is. Well, the way I look at it, and... Sometimes we'll look at things differently than other people do. Is we talked about past life, uh, Annette and I, and that on the air, a past life, and that, and then we come in contact with people again in a, in this lifetime that we knew in some past life. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was basically we had a connection in a past life, and that's why we're so in tune. Sure, interesting. To each other, if that makes sense. I don't know. It can, absolutely. There's no reason why that could be you know, debunked, yeah. Yeah, because uh, it did kind of, you know, and she's done it in the past when she's known that I was going to uh, uh, locations that mm, were iffy. You know, she basically said she would be with me, basically watching over. Wow. Yeah. So. Uh, and you know, that's interesting because in the Native American uh, seeing abilities, uh, they they've almost have that shape shifting history of becoming an eagle and flying above you and and seeing what you're seeing and yeah it it's somehow all related that's that's kind of that ability to be with you and see what you're seeing mm-hmm. very interesting. We got a caller. Let's see what now, they have now, to say. And, and Ed, when you when this happened, or whatever, did the term remote viewing ever come up? Or? It's never come up. It's never come up. So whatever that was, that her ability to see through you, uh, did she have any term for it? Or we basically, and she agrees with it, is because of the connection in a past life. The connection will always be there. Wow. No, and that could be 
quite a bit of what these remote viewers were doing uh, in their labeling it something that they thought of, but it's probably a connection to some ability that's been around as long as man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, in fact, I'll tell you, I'll throw an interesting name out there. Hey, Dave, you want to take a call? We got a call. Oh, sure, sure. Okay. Hold on. Uh, caller is 509-895. Hello, caller. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Who are we talking to? Uh, my name is Chad, uh, first-time listener. Um, okay. Gosh, you guys are covering a lot. <laughs> uh, a lot in a short lot. time. Go ahead. Uh, okay, first thing I want to mention is anyone that wants to practice remote viewing, get a double-blind person on the other end to, say, use a magazine, and you can uh, remote view individually the pages. Those make excellent targets. Remember when things are classified, we're not allowed to talk about them. But once we develop something better and the news comes out like it did in 95, uh, I'm, I just want to suggest that maybe we're into remote sensing and remote influencing now. Boy, there's, a, there's an exciting and scary thought that's very uh-huh. interesting. When you, when you mentioned HARP, what if everyone does have these abilities? What if we are all able to do these things? In fact, you're almost like a bubble uh, that will rise to the surface unless you're held down. And HARP has got a really good way of keeping everyone about 11.2 on the frequency scale, even on masses, even whole populations. Uh, and that can cause apathy, uh, disorientation, discomfort, if you're already off balance, you can become suicidal. But it's interesting what's going on. I know that. Well, if yeah, you look at talk about more. you're certainly um, boy, I like the way you think. You're certainly <laughs> researching all of these areas, kind of coming up with speculations that um, are pretty logical to think mm-hmm. that that could be going on. Well, if you look at society today, okay, as the gentleman's saying about the causing uh, unbalance, okay, how many people are out there that are, you know, taking drugs for this, taking drugs for that, emotional, yeah. mentally, whatever? Oh, sure. Insane, yeah. Too much. Neural inhibitors, absolutely. Compared to even 20 years ago. Yeah. Or 30 years ago. Uh, let me yeah. ask you this. I'm not very old, but um, <clears throat> I don't think 50 years ago, when guns were very prevalent, which everybody had guns, no children ever took guns to school and shot their classmates or their teachers, did they? No. Oh, because I'm told it's just because of the media. We we just hear about it now more. But uh, I wasn't around back then, but like I said, even without TV, I think it would have been the biggest news in the world because it's unheard of. Now it's weekly. What's happened? What's changed? Is the games more violent? Or, or is the TV more violent? Or are they hitting us with uh, <laughs> microwave radiation? I appreciate the, you know, being on the air with you guys. I love the show. I'll definitely be listening. Uh, like I said, you guys are touching on a lot of things. And uh, Thank uh, you for your input, man. It was, it was, thank it you was good. Thank I appreciate it. You guys have a great show. Thanks. Bye-bye. Good night. You know, the caller, that, that is very interesting. He's obviously tuned into uh, what's been kind of alleged from people on the outside trying to make sense of what the uh, powers to be could be up to. But the, yes, HARP has that attached to it where... And, and, and again, imagine a series of antennas that are uh, sending some kind of signals up in the ionosphere, uh, and here's a little kind of area that you're able to virtually circle the globe and, and kind of use that as a superhighway to inject your good, bad, indifferent, evil, whatever you're up to, whether it's weather, mind control. These are the kind of things that are alleged with HARP, and if if any of it is remotely true, uh, certainly... Then it's wrong. Then it's wrong. i got to say, then it's totally wrong. Well, 
you, you would name, expect anyone to come clean about it. However, uh, just like the caller talked about the escalation of violence, kind of nonsensical violence, it makes no sense. It's almost as if a person snaps, and you hear that a lot, and then they take a gun and go shooting people. Well, yeah, what made them snap? And did people snap? 200 years ago? I don't know. Certainly we've always had wars, but uh, even 100 years ago, you know, the Old West, uh, that was an interesting point. Mm -hmm. Look, you walk in a bar, right? Everybody's wearing a gun. So you're not going to be in a hurry to start any real trouble in there. Right. Uh, It's pretty neutral. Everybody's on (laughs) level ground there. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's interesting uh, whenever you, you get to a level situation, I suppose the people ultimately in control, they're looking for another angle to control everybody. And, you know, I'm sure remote viewing, in their mind, they were uh, controlling situations that the standard spy networks never had access to. So, yes, I I understand the secrecy, but I also know that there's just too many of these areas that are sucking up tax money from individual working people that at some point uh, we, we may have to have another American revolution because how long can we keep funding things that may or may not be in our best interest. And when do we get a say in those kind of things? That's what I'm saying. If remote viewing cost $20 million over 20 years, and you might say by today's figures and standards and economy, well, a million dollars a year, what's that? Well, guess what? Back in 69, 70 Seventy-nine, a million dollars was a lot of money, yeah. mm-hmm. and it was definitely a lot of money to say, "Well, let's just take it out of this barrel. That's all the taxpayers' money, so we'll just take a million of that and use it over here." Well, yeah, if if the work is so secret, geez, do our politicians even know this? I mean, we elect a president, but virtually. If they don't run for a second-term office, they're only in there for four years. How much could the president know? Right. And why would he be trusted with such secret (laughs) programs that go on for 20 years if there could be four presidents in that time? I think that's maybe where you and I come to a little difference in, uh, you know, feelings about things. Um, Me, I don't, I, you know, I don't really think we need to know, you know, situations like that, even though we're paying for it. But that's my personal opinion. There's, I'm sure, hundreds of thousands of people that feel the way you do. Um, But that's just the way, you know, I basically kind of look at, you know. Well, maybe I don't have a problem with secrets, even that the government's up to. But if they're real expensive projects... Well, yeah, nothing's cheap today, true. Dave. I mean, I, you know, hell, I get my engine changed and it would cost me almost three grand, you know, and I'm paying for the labor, you know, 80 bucks an hour. But, uh, I, I can, I guess I can, you know, I totally well, I agree. I want to know why, yeah, I want to know why Ed doesn't want to know. It's not that I don't want to know, Annette, okay? Okay. It's does a couple things, um, because, there's stuff I know internally. There's stuff that I I said about different things that are going on um, that you know have come to prove themselves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, as far as government and stuff like that goes. But the major I don't think society as a whole is prepared. Can you know? Can accept it? Okay. Well, they they. You're probably correct in our, our current way we're fed certain right. fairy tales. 
Meaning, I mean, we're we're you know they were saying uh, X X files and all that stuff may have been a way to introduce us in a slow way to UFOs and other things, which is fantastic. And who knows about the other programs that you know look far fetched, but how far fetched are they? They are on TV or the movies. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing about all these crazy programs, uh, in in the ethics of it come up, uh, another, just to talk about all over the map here, we did mention, <laughs> but I got one for you. Uh, I'm hearing, reading, seem to be finding out that there is this program whereby electronic fibers are put in our currency now. And the idea becomes that with a little device aimed at a pile of currency, you can tell how much is there. Mm-hmm. So in other words, if, if you've got tiny little strands of electronic fibers in $100 right. bills, right. Uh, and yet a little sensitive box pointed at a pile of these $100 bills would tell you is that $4,000 or $40,000 or whatever. Now, I also have heard that this is a way to possibly fight this whole big drug business and drug dealers. And I've heard that too. Yeah, maybe somebody's got a $400,000 in their trunk and they want to be able to know that. Well, and that's all fine and dandy, but of course, there are bad policemen every now and then, mm. and maybe bad government agents, and um, I don't know, maybe I'm not a very nice person and uh, amoral and half drunk, and I got one of these devices, and I work for the government, and I stand outside, and somebody leaves a casino with eight grand in their pocket, and I figure that out. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in one respect, I understand that, or maybe here's the difference, Ed. I don't believe everything the government or military or these agencies are doing is in our best interest. I would tend to think it's not necessarily in our best interest, but in their Dave, you can ask Annette. She stood there and me and her, me and her husband Greg, talk over. She, I mean, she basically wanted to walk away. Okay, I'm far from one who would think everything's honky dory and for the best interests of, you know, the world as a whole. Let's put it that way. Okay, no, I'm far from it. Um, basically, what I was saying, society as a whole. I don't know if they could uh, accept. Want? I mean, look how long it took sure. to to uh, accept the fact that um, animals can have um, what are they called? Put in them. Um, I forgot what the name is, but where you could trace them if they get well, lost. Oh, sure. Hey, yeah, animal lojack. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and they're talking about in babies. You know, they're talking about putting them in babies. So, <clears throat> do I go for that? No. Not at all, uh, because then the government at any time can keep track of anybody at any place, and I, I'm not for that. I got to take a minute. We only got a couple suck. Uh, we only got like six minutes left. I got to make a couple announcements, if you don't mind, Dave. Oh my uh, gosh, I'm, I can't wait to hear them. Okay, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Friday night, October nineteenth, psychic readings. We are back at the Weathermark. It's south of the downtown Chicago. And that, David, may actually have somebody coming in to meet with you there. Um, oh, great. It's a, yeah, it's, it's 1503 South Michigan Avenue, Chicago, Illinois, 60605. If you want to look it up on uh, on the Internet to find out how to get there. <clears throat> this night in Chicago will include our Annette doing past life readings that are very popular on our radio show, rooms readings, and tarot readings. Um, I will be doing my thing, palm reading, psychometry one-on-one. And as we talked on the last show, um, conscious channeling or some form of doing medium reading with items of loved ones who've passed away. Okay, so bring your items of the loved ones. 
We have Rhonda doing multi-deck tarot readings and Patty doing crystal ball, pendulum, and tarot readings. This will run from 8 o'clock till uh, closing. Some of us may not be able to stay there to closing, so make sure, ladies and gentlemen, if you are interested, to come out there early. We also have um, the Chicago Ghost Convention, Saturday, October 27th. That will be held at the uh, God, I, Congress Hotel, downtown Chicago. Ursula Bielski is the one that's running this thing, the top Chicago author, paranormal author, tours and that. You are getting the top as far as speakers and everything else that will be there. Go to the website, theunexplainedworld.com. Go into our events section. You can see more about where I'll be, where we'll be, where we're uh, beyond the veil events that we got coming up. The one that I'm kind of excited about, and here's something. Amy may join us because this is a location that um, I had in a dream two years ago, bed and breakfast haunted, that I would come across or needed to find. Ursula found it. We will be spending an overnighter there on November 10th and 11th, and it has a haunted woods where people have actually seen ghostly bodies in the woods itself. And the surrounding area has uh, locations also that supernatural things go on at. That you also connect to at our website, uh, com in the events section. Okay, got through that. All right, in about uh, ooh, two minutes I got through it. All right. Uh, they, well, like I said, Annette, David may he has somebody who wants to come to see you about past life readings. Yeah, you know, the timing, that was interesting. I, I talked to someone I know that uh, kind of had a story for me, and then Ed told me that you were doing this, and I thought, oh, my God, this is perfect timing. And Me and David, you and I have been doing some connecting lately. Well, we? listen to this perfect timing about remote viewing. Wouldn't you know, <laughs> one of these characters of the original group started something called the International Remote Viewing Association. And get this, they have in their national convention conference in Las Vegas in two weeks. Wow. <laughs> so October 19th to 21st is their International Remote Viewing Association conference. So any of your listeners that I don't know, have a spare plane ticket or don't know what to do. Wanna... <laughs> you know, Chad's on that plane. <laughs> well, uh, this boy, talk about, talk about being able to see what the remote viewing community is up to right today as we speak. It's in two weeks. Wow. Boy, if anybody hey, of our listeners go or know someone who goes, please contact Ed uh, over the email immediately upon your return so we can have you on and talk about your uh, yeah, experience. Yeah, that would be excellent. Now, mm -hmm. it's, at, it's at the Alexis Park Resort in Las Vegas, and, you know, I suppose you could just um, Google International Remote Viewing Association, and you'll get all the information about that conference. And, David? Yes, they could listen to uh, our past show when we had you on in the archives and uh, also oh also wander on to other areas of Las Vegas that may be of interest. Yes. So. <laughs> right. I love the way you archive these shows. That's, that's fabulous. <laughs> David, you've been great. Uh, we hope to have you. Next thing I want to talk about is that ship that they um, that you were talking about where they tried to... the experiment? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, I would, I would. I love that topic. I've uh, read it extensively. Cool. And cool. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Because that's uh, now we're getting into some real uh, technical things. Even Nikola Tesla's name comes up in that whole craziness. Good, good. David, thank you for being on. Oh, we oh, love yeah. having you, David. Thank you. Oh my you. God, thank you. It was thank a, you. very enjoyable. Thank <laughs> you, listeners, and we're going to have David back in the near future. And our next show will be October 21st. Right now, scheduled for that is uh, author of the book, Ghost Cats. And uh, it should be interesting. And that's a cat lover. We have cats. A lot of people have cats. So, uh, like I said, you heard what's coming up in the near future with us. we got 15 seconds left. I'm going to say thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you, Annette. And thank you, listeners. 
You have a good week and good night. Good night. Blessed be. Bye now.